I uh, typically, when I do an evening service, I was thinking about it today, this afternoon. <clears throat> I'm a little bit more raw. I'm a little bit more uh, unfiltered. So if you want the more filtered version, show up at 9.15. I'm super filtered there. But 5 o'clock, y'all going to get, even if, if, you, if y'all came this morning, it's going to be a little bit more raw. You okay with that? Good. I was going to do it whether you liked it or not. All right, so everybody in this room, one of the things that we've got to acknowledge is, is that we all know weird people. Everybody in this room knows somebody. Like when I said that, somebody popped in your mind. You know weird people. And um, by the way, if nobody popped in your mind, then you're the person that popped in somebody else's mind when I said something about weird people. And uh, I don't know what categorizes somebody as weird. I was with a guy one time that put ketchup on his green beans. I thought that was weird. I think it's weird when you go to, um, like you're at at, at Target, and and somebody puts their finger in their ear, and they kind of do that thing right there. That's not weird. It's it's weird when they take their finger out and they they look at it. That's, That's weird. Would you agree? And then they... They make a little ball, and they flick it. Anyway, so I, I'm just saying, I, none of us have ever done that, but we, we know people. But when it comes to being weird, Christians are the kings and queens of weirdness in so many areas. Would you agree? Like, we, Christians are the people. There's always that one guy that you can't have a normal conversation with. You're like, hey, man. Did you enjoy the football game on Sunday? I was watching that football game as when, and when he scored that touchdown and everybody stood to their feet and cheered, it reminded me how we're all going to stand in heaven and cheer for Jesus when I'm like, okay, I just was talking about football, man. I was trying to talk about football. Or Cole, a few weeks ago, he preached and he said, he said that he's done a ton of weddings, but he's a young pup. I got him, I got him by at least 200 weddings. I've, I've been to weddings. I've seen weddings. I've directed weddings. I've officiated weddings. I've cried at weddings. I've laughed at weddings. And I've thought, please, dear God, don't do that at weddings. For example, if you're a, non, if you're a Christian, this is normal to you. But think about this through a non-Christian's point of view. When, 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 when they wash their feet, when the, what, you ever in a wedding when they wash their feet? So all the Christians are like, oh, my gosh, that's so beautiful. All the non-Christians are like, she going to touch his foot? That, that's gross. It's gross. What's even weirder is when they sing a Christian song, and the song was, like, written to Jesus, but the couple is, like, singing it to each other. I could only imagine. And you're like, oh, dear God. And it gets to that part in the song, will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall? And I'm like, that's awkward. Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I'm not like, not if you do it right. You probably won't. I just, just being honest. Told y'all. Just being honest. So, so Christians, Christians sometimes can be weird. We can do weird things. But one of the most weird things in the church, in church world just as a whole. In fact, this subject is so weird that Christian that, that churches either won't talk about this subject or they fight you about this subject. And the subject is the Holy Spirit. Now, when I mention the Holy Spirit, if you know somebody that's, that's been filled with the Spirit, that you're, you're like, oh, my gosh, that's the weirdest person I know. Let me make you a promise. They were weird way before the Holy Spirit got involved in their life. You cannot blame him. It's not his fault that they are weird. The Holy Spirit... When we talk about the Holy Spirit, a lot of people refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. But the Holy Spirit is actually he. 
It is the presence of Jesus living inside of us that belong to Jesus. And there's nothing weird about the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Apostle Paul said this in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. He said this, watch this. He said, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. <laughs> you don't say. And I mean, I love how real the Bible just gets. It's just kind of relevant to our lives today. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I, 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 I have some friends. I myself have done this. And I have some friends that have um, partaken of the vine. If you're Baptist, that means that they had a glass of wine. So, so they had a glass of wine or two. And usually, usually after about two glasses of wine, if you're hanging out with somebody, they... Uh, they, they have a little bit of joy in their heart. Would you agree? Would you agree? I mean, I know none of but you know people. Would you agree that there's joy in their heart? Would you agree? The, the, what Paul is saying here, because this is not a contrast, this is a comparison. Paul's saying the Holy Spirit is who actually fills us with joy. Or, or if you've been around somebody that's had a couple glasses of wine, you, you know there's always that person that goes, man, I love you so much. I, just, I love you. God, I love, I love, man, I love you so much. You don't know what you mean. You're like, okay, it's time to leave. That's when it's time to leave, right? But the Holy, that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit enables us to love other people. The other thing that I thought about is with a lot of people, alcohol is a truth serum. You get two glasses of wine in them, they'll confess to stuff that you're like, I don't think you did that because they're, they're just making stuff up. They, they, they start confessing and clothes come off. And some of y'all are like, how are you going to tie that into Scripture? Well, I'm glad you asked because I believe that we can't get healed until we get real. But church is one of the places that people have to pretend to be somebody else. And so, so in church, especially in this church, I want this to be a place where we can be real, show up and say, this is what I'm dealing with. And that means we take off the layers of lies that we've worn to church for years and we can be real and be healed because we, need, we, we have to tell the truth. We get to tell the truth about ourselves instead of faking it and then getting find out and then going to another church. Thank you so much. I, I got a couple people planted that just clap spontaneously and so that, 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 that'll work, all right? So, so I, was, I was thinking and praying about this message for the past few weeks and I, I want to ask you to pray two things with me. Just a couple things and I'll put this on social media, on the internets this week so we can, we can see it later on. But I'm asking everybody to, to pray for two things. Now the, the first ask is, is kind of an easy ask. It's a, it's a softball. I would say, I would say, 85 to 90% of the people would agree to this, okay? And here it is. Here we go. I want to see God's spirit poured out in this place. Thank you. I do. Now, I know there's, there, and because there, there's always one. There's always one, and, and you want to argue because, and I get it. If I were you, I'd want to argue too. The Holy Spirit doesn't inhabit places. He inhabits people. And I would say he's God. He inhabits whatever he wants to inhabit, okay? I know that the Holy Spirit primarily inhabits people. But have you ever been to an environment and you just walk in and you know, man, there's, there's something different about this place. That's the Holy Spirit at work. 
And I, I want this to be a place that when we walk in these doors, that we know that the Spirit of God is with us every single time we get together. Now, the second ask, it's a little bit more personal, and, and, and you, it's, it's, it has the potential to change us. So this is the second ask. I want to see God's Spirit poured out in me. And some of y'all are like, oh, yeah, I'll pray that. You need the Holy Spirit, Pastor P. I, no, no, I'm not. I, I know. I got it. I've, I'm, I'm talking, make this personal. Would you be willing to ask God, God, would you pour out more of your spirit in me? That, in other words, that's saying, Jesus, I want more of your presence inside of me. This, this right here will change everything about our lives for the better. And anybody in the room, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, this right here is a common entry point for all, it's an all skate, all across the board. All of us can pray that prayer. God, I, I want more of your spirit working inside of me. There's always that person going, I don't need it. I okay, that's pride. It'll get you a cut in the line to hell. Be careful about that one. We, we all need more of God's spirit. So here we go. There's, there's several stories. And as I walk through them, if you're a Bible nerd like me, you're going to be like, where's the going with this? They, none of these tie together. I promise you at the end, we're going to tie it all together. We're going to make it work. I'm a professional. I get paid to do this. All right. So the first story, and we've talked about this particular guy uh, two, maybe three times this year. I need to go back and look. Is a guy in the scriptures in John chapter 11 named Lazarus. Now, Lazarus is pretty popular um, because he died. And I don't know what you want to be known for, but that's what Lazarus was known for for a while. He was one of Jesus' friends, and uh, he, he and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, they had a wonderful relationship with Jesus. And so he got sick, and he was like, well, I just asked Jesus to heal me. Because that makes sense, right? If you're sick, how many of you have ever prayed and asked Jesus to heal you from something? You had, you had the COVID. Um, last week, I had a toothache. And, and I, it, listen, I need God to work in me because I went from praying to cussing to praying to cussing to I think I prayed in tongues. I'm not even sure. to. I mean, it was, it was crazy. But when we get sick or we hurt or when somebody we love gets sick or they get hurt, it, isn't it funny? We, we will pray. We will pray and we will ask God and we'll beg God to do stuff. And Lazarus, Mary, and Martha all asked Jesus to come heal and and. Jesus stood up where he was and said, this sickness will not end in death. And then Lazarus died. Now, quick question. Do you think that when Lazarus died, Mary and Martha were disappointed in Jesus? Yes or no? Yes. It's okay to say yes. There's always a no. They believed God. No, no, no. They were disappointed. Do, do you think Lazarus was disappointed? Yeah. He's like, oh, Jesus is going to be here any minute. Jesus is going to heal me. Jesus is going to be here any minute. Jesus is going to heal me. Hey, God. I, I, like he was like, he, bam, he's dead. They were disappointed because they asked Jesus for something. And let's be honest, they asked Jesus for something good. They didn't ask him, oh, God, help me win this lottery ticket, which I'm not saying that's a sin to play the lottery. I'm just saying you need to tithe if you hit it. All right. So, so, <laughs> how many of y'all bought a lottery ticket? 
past two weeks. Come on, be honest. Bunch of liars. All right, so... So, so he wasn't praying for like a lottery ticket or he wasn't praying to get in a particular college but there's nothing wrong with praying to get He was praying that, that Jesus would heal him and Jesus didn't show up to heal him. And he was disappointed. So was Mary. So was Martha. And, and so are some of us tonight. There are people in this room now, you wouldn't admit it out loud, especially among a church crowd, but you're disappointed in God because you ask him for something and he didn't do it. Jesus, please don't let my mother pass away. Jesus, please don't let my child get sick. Jesus, please don't let me lose my job. And what you asked for didn't happen. What Mary, Martha, and Lazarus asked for didn't happen. And here's why. They wanted a healing but Jesus wanted a resurrection. And resurrection is greater than healing. And the reason that Jesus doesn't give us what we ask for is because he has greater plans. So if he, had, if he says no to what we ask for, it's because we're asking too small. So, so Jesus rolls in and he's late, like four days late, like Lazarus has been in the tomb four days. And he said, roll back the stone. And in the King James Version, Mary said, but he stinketh. I remember that from Sunday school for some reason. I have no idea why. Just he stinketh was kind of funny. When I was a kid, I looked up all the cuss words in the Old Testament in the King James because they called a donkey an ass. Y'all remember that? And so I just looked them all up and circled them in Christian school. I got to go see the principal. Anyway, so this is what I told y'all. I, was going, I didn't say that this morning. I don't even know where my mind is right now. Here we go. John chapter 11 said Jesus showed up and they argued. And so they finally rolled the stone aside. Now, I want to pause real quick and say... Thank you to every single person in this church that volunteers. When you volunteer, you are literally rolling a stone aside. If I could, if I could come up with a nickname for, for our volunteers, like after a rock band, I would call us the Rolling Stones, except for one guy at 915. I'd call him Def Leppard. He can't hear a thing. But, but, but I would call everybody else the Rolling Stones. Because, listen, we can't heal anybody. We can't change anybody. But you know what we're doing when we're parking cars or when we're greeting people and when we're holding babies? We're rolling stones so the truth of God can get in and the Spirit of God can bring somebody out of what they have been in bondage to for so long. So thank you to everybody that volunteers because you are literally rolling stones and that was a good place for somebody to clap or say amen. I'll start, listen, I'll, I'll teach y'all how to respond. I know we got some recovering Baptist and Presbyterian in here. I'll teach you how to respond, all right? So they rolled the stone aside, then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all the people standing here so they would believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Just three words. Jesus spoke three words, but there's power in the word of God when the word of God is spoken things happen God, God said let there be light bam there's light there is power in God's word and this is one one promise I can make you as as the pastor of this church there will never be a Sunday that you show up in this place where we do not preach God's word because when we know when we preach God's word we have God's power 
So Jesus spoke the word of God. Lazarus, to, to, a, to a dead man. Lazarus didn't have some issues. He wasn't struggling with some stuff. He was dead. Okay? And everybody laughed until the dead man came out. His hand, feet, bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth, and Jesus told him to unwrap him and, and let him go. So, so the, the, the word of God went in. The spirit of God came into Lazarus and literally brought him from death to life. See, if you're here tonight, whether you're in the room or watching online, and you're not a Christian, you're not a bad person. You're a dead person. Spiritually, you're dead. And, and, and by the way, Christians, stop getting mad at dead people for acting like dead people. You're dead! I can't believe it! And you got a protest sign. I hate dead people. Like, like people that don't know Christ are always going to live like they don't know Christ. But when, when, when the truth of God, when God's word hit Lazarus and God's spirit came into him, he literally came from death to life. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross to make bad people become good people. He died on the cross to make dead people become alive people. And if you're a Christian, that's what he did for you and for me. We weren't so close. We just needed one little prayer to get us across the finish line. We were dead and he made us alive. Is there anybody in the room that's thankful that he did it? Me too. So, so, but maybe you are a Christian and, and you're like, well, how does this apply to me? I'm glad you ask. M maybe, maybe you're a Christian, but something has died inside of you. Maybe hope died. Maybe peace died. Maybe you lost something. You don't think you'll ever get it back. When the word of God hits our heart and the spirit of God enters our life, whatever is dead can be brought back to life. Because if the spirit of the living God brought Lazarus back to life, if the spirit of the living God brought Jesus back to life, then the spirit of the living God can bring whatever has died in our life back to life because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So, so we got that story. Now we got another story, and for this one, I'm going to need a little audience participation. We'll go ahead and set you up to let you know that I'm about to make fun of somebody. I mean, this room. Don't raise your hand too quick. Just let me finish the question, please, because sometimes I'll ask a question. Somebody raises their hand, like, and I'm like, let me, let me finish, finish. How many in this room have had a wreck, and it was your fault? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. Y'all, man, the, all the bad drivers were at 11.15. I mean, they're at 11 o'clock. I'm sorry. Y'all, it's about half and half. No, keep them up. Keep them up, because uh, how many have had two wrecks, and it was your fault? Two. Two wrecks, it was your fault. Three wrecks, and it was your fault. Four wrecks, and it was your fault. Anybody at four? Uh, what, right back here, five? You, 
like four and a half, maybe four and a half, five. Anybody at five? Anybody at five? So, so, so four, four. Now, th this is going to be a safe assumption for everybody in the room. I would hang out with him, but I would not ride in the car with him. <laughs> he just told you he had four X, and I ain't judging you. Because there's a, there's a girl sitting two rows in front of you that just dug her head. I'm not going to tell you her name's Jennifer. She ran into a ditch last night. There's a girl named Sherry Trainum at the 11 o'clock service. If you didn't know Sherry, I'm not going to call her out by name. She, she said, she said she, she shouldn't have done it, but we were in the first timers area. She said, I, they, they were trying to tell on me this morning, Pastor Fee. I said, why? She said, I've had six wrecks. Four were in the driveway. I was like, dear God, woman. Anyway, so I'm like, there's, so, so nobody in this room, if Sherry said, let's go for a drive, you're not making it out of the parking lot, right? The reason I say all that is because the Apostle Paul had to be an incredible recruiter because to get people to go on a mission trip, today, it's easy. Like, I know some people are like, hey, 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 you want to go to a mission trip? We're going to go to a third world country, but we're going to stay in a five-star hotel, and uh, we're going to go look at poor people for half a day. And you can get your picture taken with a baby. Yeah, sign me up. It wasn't that day. It wasn't that way in, in Paul's day. Paul would be like, listen, um, so I got the spot open on my team, and uh, what's in it for me? Well, um, okay, so we're going to get stoned, but not Colorado stoned. Like, uh, like you stole somebody's bike in Belton stoned. That's the kind of stone we're going to get, and, uh, and I'm probably going to get beaten, beaten, probably going to get thrown in jail. Um, most of y'all just described your weekend. That's why you're at this service because you couldn't get here this morning. Anyway, so I, I, I <laughs> and, uh, and this is the thing, and, and um, you, need, you need to understand that we're going to travel by boat, and I've been shipwrecked five times. That's where I go, okay, I'm, uh-uh, no, you, I, I ain't riding with you on a ship. Can we, if we take a camel, maybe, but like you have shipwrecked five times, Paul? You're not, this, he's, he's trying to recruit people. Nobody will hardly go with him, but he finally found this guy because he had this guy that traveled with him everywhere named Barnabas, and they got in an argument, and they kind of split. I know that never happens, but they kind of split ways, and he found this guy named Silas, and we don't know what Silas was doing. Silas was a man, the Bible says, filled with the Spirit, and Paul probably just got him in a good mood, said, come on, Silas, go with me. It'll be fun. So they went to a place called Philippi. And in Philippi, when they got there, things were going good at first until they ran into the demon-possessed girl. Anytime you run into the demon-possessed girl, it's going to go weird. And she followed them around, the Bible says, for days going, these servants are men of the Most High God telling you how to be saved. Well, that's a pretty cool statement. But, but the problem is, if, if, you, if a demon can get you to believe a, a little bit of the truth, it can get you to believe a lot of a lie. And so Paul and Silas are walking around, but can you imagine somebody following you around for three days, yelling this the entire time? Like you can't even go to Target. You go to Target to get your dog some treats, and they're following you going, this man is a servant of the Most High God telling you how to be saved. And so Paul, one day, he's like, I had enough. And he turned around, he just rebuked the demon, and the demon was gone, which I'm going to put my vote in and say, that was probably a good move. Yay, Paul. Except she was pretty much a human. She, she was involved in human trafficking. 
And so because of that, her owners got mad. They had Paul arrested, Paul and Silas. Silas was like, I don't, I don't know that. I'm just kind of with him. No, 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 we saw you with him. So he gets pulled into. They get arrested. The Bible says they got severely beaten. Not just beaten. Severely beaten. Put in jail and put in chains. I'm going to go ahead and put my vote in and say, that's a bad day. You can officially say, today sucked if that happened to you. Like some people are like, I had a bad day. They messed up my frate, latte, bate at, the, at Starbucks. And I'm like, just drink coffee. It'd be easier. But Paul is in jail. Beaten. Bleeding. No medical attention. No lawyer. No anything. Silas is there. And if I'm Silas, I'm thinking, you know, my life was pretty good until you recruited me to go on this stupid trip. Probably mad, but, but Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, tells us this. And this was mind-blowing when I, when I discovered it. Luke said this. Around midnight, 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 Paul and Silas were praying. Now, I get that part. Because if I get thrown in jail and I get beat up and I'm hurting, praying makes sense. Would you agree? Okay, we're good. Praying and singing. I can even semi-understand that. I hear that train coming. It's coming around the bend. And I ain't saying, some of y'all don't know what that is, and that's fine. Y'all good, y'all good, y'all good. But singing hymns to God. Isn't that crazy? They, they were arrested falsely, beaten severely, put in jail, put in chains. What are we going to do? Let's worship. So Paul and Silas are singing hymns. They were probably Baptists. So they sang the first, second, and fourth verse. They always skipped that third one, right? And the other prisoners were listening. And they were probably annoyed. Because they're probably like, dude, we are trying to sleep. Stop singing Paul and Silas over here. They're, they're praying. They're singing. And then watch what happens because this is crazy. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. Not a small earthquake, not a medium earthquake, but a massive earthquake. Thank you very much. And the prison was shaken to its foundations all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of Paul and Silas fell off. Is that what it says? No? Let's read it again. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of, let's say it on three, one, two, three, every prisoner fell off. Now, I was talking to Philip. In fact, he sat... In the, in the first service this morning, he, so he can confirm everything I, I say. When I, in the 1990s, I was a student pastor, and I wanted to start doing worship, and we didn't have the money to, to do, like, to hire a student worship pastor, so I just taught myself how to play piano and guitar, and, and we sang little, little songs, and I would, I would lead worship, and I, I led, I've led worship for a while. If I gave myself a grade as a worship leader, I would give myself a good solid C- minus on some days a D plus. I can pass, but barely. And, and when you look out in a church, any church, even this church, there's certain types of worshipers. 
This is the first type. 98% of the time, it's a man. skeptic sometimes you can look out and you see what I call the 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 part-time worshiper this is what they're doing Get my worship on. No, you're not. You're more focused on your phone than Jesus. Stop it. Okay, we've all, I'm not, and now everybody's self-conscious. I was checking my phone. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm just saying that's how some people worship. Some people worship hurt. Pastor people, what are you talking about? It, like, you're, you're feeling the song, but you get so into it, you're like. <laughs> I remember the first time I'm on stage going, are they okay? We need to call a medic. I think she's having a heart attack real quick. <laughs> Some people are like, you stole a TV? Some people are straight up, Mufasa, right? Nasylvania! They got their hands in the air. But what I'm saying, what stands out to me in this passage is how many people were actually worshiping Jesus. How many people? Two. How many people's chains fell off? Everybody. So here's my question. If two people in Philippi can set everybody in the jail free, what could 2,000 people in Anderson, South Carolina do if we decided to worship Jesus with all our hearts? I'm telling you what would happen this would be a place where people would start getting set free because that's what God does when people begin to lift him up. And because and when we lift him up, we move what's holding us back out. That's a powerful thing to think. What could happen? And I've, I've seen, I was talking to a guy one time that was attending our church. He wasn't a Christian yet. He wasn't a Christian. He attended this church. And he said, he, I said, what did you think about the service today? Um, sometimes I regret asking that question, but most of the time it turns out good. He said, man, I'm, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I love what y'all do with the air conditioner. <laughs> uh, well, we, well, he said, yeah, he said, in those slow songs, he said, you pull the temperature down so everybody can feel chills. I was like, yeah, man, we got that guy full time. He's so good. He's, we, he, we, we had him trained. And I'm thinking, you are so close to getting saved, you don't even know it, right? I, th- I love, Paul and Silas were worshiping, and they didn't feel like it. They were, they were worshiping, and they, like, I, I, I have a tendency, and I'm here all services, every service, and sometimes we like, I ain't feeling it today. But you know, when I ain't feeling it, that's when I need to do it the most. Some people worship when you sing. Some people lift hands. Some people jump up and down. But when we put our focus 
on Jesus, the Spirit of God does something inside of us, and he does something to the people around us too. So, so one more story, and then I'll tie it all together. Jesus and his apostles were hanging out, and the apostles came up and said, hey, teach us how to pray. And he taught them that Lord's Prayer thing. Y'all know, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name of the kingdom come, will be done. And, and the Lord's Prayer, it's a, it's a personal prayer. It's, we're not really praying for anybody else. We're kind of praying for ourselves, which that's not bad because we should pray for ourselves. I'm not against that. I've heard a pastor say one time, I hadn't prayed for myself in 20 years. I'm like, nah, that's the problem. Anyway, Jesus said this. He's teaching them about prayer, and he says this. He says, then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. Now, I stopped right there when I was reading this story going, I ain't, I ain't got any friends that can come to my house at midnight. You come to my house at midnight without calling, there's going to be a problem. Don't judge me because a lot of the men in this room, are, and half the women are thinking, that's right, that's right. We're, me and Shannon were laying in bed one morning, at like 2 o'clock in the morning, our dogs went nuts. And they... they typically are real calm at night, but they lost their minds. You come to my house, man, dogs would lose their minds. And I'd be like, Shannon, go check that out, baby. <laughs> Sit here and pray. I'm going to pray a hedge of protection around you, Shannon. You just go in the name of Jesus. I'm going to run out the back door and get the police. <laughs> but but this was a different culture. They 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 would go to each other's houses at weird times when they needed but this is this is so powerful when I finally began to understand the symbolism in the story he said um suppose they went to a house at midnight and, and suppose you went to a house friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread because they didn't have QT and they didn't have Ingles and they didn't have you know Publix or whatever and so they would borrow bread from each other now here's what's fascinating in the book of John Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life. So here you got a man going to somebody's house at an inconvenient time, knocking on the door, saying, I, basically he's saying, I need Jesus. I need, I, in fact, if you want to get super spiritual, you can, how many loaves of bread was he asking for? Three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Don't you just love the Bible? It's so good. It's so rich. I'm just now seeing that. I've been reading the Bible my whole life. You, but you say to him, um, a friend of mine, or the guy says, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. This is powerful because he's knocking on the door and he's not asking for bread for himself. He's asking for bread for somebody that came to his house. He got, I don't have enough bread for this guy. I need you to give me some bread because I know you got some bread in the house. Give me some bread so I can give it to my friend. And I started thinking, my God, what would happen to a church that we got persistent about praying and asking God to give us bread because we have friends and family members that don't know Jesus, that don't know Christ. We want them to know Christ. What could happen if we got serious about asking God to give us some bread so they could receive the bread of life? That could change a church. That could change a community. That could change the world. Now he goes on to say, and suppose he calls out from his bedroom. Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. Now, I know what some of y'all are thinking. You're like, 
how close is the bedroom to the front door and what's the layout of the house? I, listen, I've been to Israel 16, 17 times. I've been in some of these, they, they call them houses. We would call them a closet. There's basically two rooms. And all the family slept in one room. And so, so the, the guy's like, I, don't bother me. We finally got all the kids to bed. We all asleep. We're all chill. Leave me alone. But watch what happens. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. What would happen as a church if we were shamelessly persistent about asking Jesus to save people? Stay with me. Then he says this, so I, so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. I, I love that invitation to ask. Jesus said, keep on asking. Keep on asking. I, I grew up with a dad and I would annoy him to death. I'd be like, are we going? Are we going? Are we going? Are we going? And he would look at me going, and he would say, ask me one more time. <laughs> are we? I only made that mistake one time I, I was because I was a literal kid. But, but God says, hey, keep asking me. Because some people, I asked him one time, he didn't do anything. Well, ask, ask again. The invitation is to ask. Keep on asking, you receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Because everyone who asks receives. You might not receive what you wanted, but you'll receive what God wanted, which is greater than what we wanted. We established that earlier. Everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So three things that Jesus told us to do. He said, ask. Now, the reason I bring this up is like, what are you asking Jesus for, and should we be asking for more? Because I, <laughs> I'm obsessed with bad religious television. I'm obsessed with it. I can't quit watching it. It's, it. it's like religious porn. You know you shouldn't look at it, but you can't not look at it, all right? So I'm watching this TV show, and there's always the woman or the guy that gives the test. I was, in, I was driving in the parking lot the other day. I went to Target because I had to get some supplies. <laughs> And it was hot outside, and I wanted a parking place that was close to the Target because I had my little Kia, and it was, I had the air conditioner all warm. And I said, Jesus, please give me a cut. I don't want to walk in there because I get hot, and I get all pitted out, and I got people judging me because this is Anderson, South Carolina. And so God gave me a parking place, and as I was pulling up, a Yukon was pulling out. And it was Jennifer, and she wrecked. But anyway, I pulled into that parking spot, and I was... I praised God for it. Okay, well, that's great. But I, I don't think that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave so his people could park in close places. Jesus wasn't on the cross going, now my people can get a parking spot and shoes on sale. Like, that, like that's not what his words were. I'm not saying don't pray for those things. I'm just saying if... If let's say Elon Musk came to church tonight, that, that would be kind of cool. If Elon, if you watch it online, I know you got some kind of connections and stuff. Um, if 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 he came and, and let's say you were hanging out with him in the lobby and he said, he said, I like you. Let's let's go to dinner. You would probably go. I I would with Elon. And let's say you're sitting at dinner and Elon goes, you know what? I'm feeling generous. Why don't why don't you just ask me for something? 
Nobody in this room would go, uh, could you, could you spot me 10 bucks? I'll get my check tomorrow. Usually cash it at the grocery store. But, but, but if you, that's redneck right there, by the way. Could you, could you, if you were sitting across from Elon Musk, you wouldn't ask for $10. He told me ask me, ask you for anything. I mean, I'm asking, I, I, I mean, yeah, I can't even think. I mean, but isn't it crazy? We would say, well, that's Elon Musk. You would ask him for billions of dollars. Well, what's, what's Elon got on God? Why don't we ask God for more? In fact, this is what I would challenge you with. This is the, and because this is challenging the heck out of me. I would challenge you to pray, Jesus, show me what to ask you for. That'll blow your mind. Now, some of you will remember this. Several months ago, I stood on this stage. I preached out of Matthew 7, ask, seek, and knock. And I told you, I told you, I don't know what to ask for. Does anybody remember that? Does anybody? Okay, I got a few head nods. Okay, that's great. So this week, I'm working on this point. I'm on my computer. I got my little desk set up. God spoke to me because I said, I said, I don't know what to ask for. I'm still kind of stuck on that. And, and we're already, listen, we're going to, I announced it several months ago. There's more details coming out in the next several months, but we're going to start another campus in Greenville, Powdersville area. We're starting another campus in the Greenville, Powdersville area. It's, it's going to be launched. We, we have plans in place to get it started and hopefully it'll be within the next 12 to 18 months. That's because you can't just, I mean, I wish you could just pray it out of the sky. I guess we could. If you did it, that'd be awesome. Anybody wants to try that, just let me know. We'll call, if you got the keys, that'd be nice too. But, but, but I've always been a, you know, state of South Carolina guy. I want to reach the state of South Carolina. In fact, if you've followed my ministry for any amount of time, I've always talked about that. So this week, I'm like, man, that's going to be kind of cool. We're going to announce the Greenville campus. And even, the, even the people that used to be Episcopal will clap at that. I mean, that's something to get excited about. But God, what, what should I, like, what, where's the next campus? And God said, get on Amazon. I said, dot com. <laughs> he said, I'm a Prime member. I said, okay. So, so I got, he didn't say that, but I got on, I got on Amazon Prime. He said, put in the search, he said, put in the search bar, map of the United States. I said, okay. I put in map of the United States. They all popped up. The first one that popped up was on Prime. He said, buy that one. I bought it. it. It got delivered two hours before the service, so it's at my house right now. And I just said, God, why, why do you want me to get a map of the United States? And God said to me, because you're thinking too small. You want to reach South Carolina. I want to reach the nation." And I said, that, man, that is awesome. He said, I'm not done. I promise you this happened. He said, now type in globe of the world. Globe of the world. First one popped up. He said, buy it. It shows up tomorrow. I said, why do you want me to buy a globe? He said, because you're thinking too small. I told, he said, I told my disciples 2,000 years ago 
to take the gospel to the world. They had no technology, no education, no means, and they did it. What could the church do today if they understood the mandate of taking the gospel to the world? So I'm telling y'all, our next campus is in Greenville, but the third campus, I don't know where it's going to be in the United States. I don't know where it's going to be in the world, but I know I'm done with the days of small thinking because when we follow a man who was dead and is now alive, then nothing is impossible. That's what he wants. He wants us, like, ask him what to ask for. And then the next is seek. Like, actually participate in the process. I was reading the story in Luke 15 where Jesus showed up and he said, imagine, he said, what if a shepherd had 100 sheep and he lost one, what would he do? Now, I read that through 2022 American eyes. I'd be like, sucks to be that sheep. I still got 99. But that's not the way they thought in ancient Israel. In fact, that's not the way that every shepherd knows each sheep by name. So, so I, I started thinking about it in this context. If Jesus was telling the story today, he would say, imagine you lost your phone. It happened. Every service has happened. People, you just had to touch it. You just had to make sure it was still there. How many of you have ever lost your phone? You, you, you'll search every, you'll go to, you'll go to somebody's house at midnight. You, you'll, you'll tear up the furniture. You'll tear up the kids. You'll tear up the dog. You tear up the cat, you cat shouldn't have been in the house anyway, but, but like you, you, you just tear everything up. I, if I lost this thing, I would freak out. You know why? Because I don't know anybody's number. My smartphone made me dumb. I didn't need any help, but it made me dumb, Right? If you lose something that you love, you'll seek. Jesus said not only ask, but seek. Seek means participate in the process. How do we seek? It's simple. We take our next step. Whatever our next step. If your next step is baptism, then get baptized. If your next step is start reading the Bible every day, then read the Bible every day. If your next step is start showing up at church on a regular basis, then start showing up at church on a regular basis. Jesus, I'm not only going to ask you to do, but I'm going to put myself and I'm going to position myself to receive the miracles when you start telling me what I need to do. And last but not least, he, he said, knock. Not just once. Have you ever gone to somebody's house and you didn't really want to see them? Nobody's home, let's go. I mean, that's a, we, we do that. But Jesus said, like, knock and keep on knocking. Shameless persistence. So I was thinking about this the other day. Let's, 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 say, let's say I got a picture on my phone and, and you got an iPhone. Droid users can't play. And I wanted to send you a picture. After the service, we stand in the lobby, we're on Wi-Fi. I said, oh, my gosh, you got to see this cool picture of my dog, Chance. Let me, let me send it to you. And I had said, how long is it going to take for your iPhone to get that picture from my iPhone? Maybe five seconds. Maybe five seconds. It's easy, isn't it? But in 1998, I had a friend that lived in the Midwest, and they had like a six-month-old. And they sent me a picture on the Internet with my 14.4 modem the one where you put the phone on it and you heard <laughs> he said i sent you a picture it said picture downloading 
Now, when they sent the picture, the baby was six months old. By the time it downloaded, the baby had graduated college. I mean, it, it took, y'all remember how long it used to take to download? But, but we would wait. We loved it. It was, it was exciting. We would wait for the picture to download because it was new and exciting. That's what I'm praying. Listen, I remember when I first met Christ, it was new and exciting. I'm praying for me personally. I want that fire back where it's new because I believe it can happen and I believe it will happen if we ask, we seek, and we knock. Knock means I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm going to show up. And when I'm in, in, I'm in church, I'm going to sing when I don't feel like singing. I'm going to show up when I don't feel like showing up. By the way, have you ever noticed that the services that you didn't want to go to and you walk, you found the strength to walk in the room as you're walking out? Everybody says the same thing. I didn't want to come to church today, but I'm so glad I did. Ask, seek, and knock. And here's the kicker. Jesus seals it off with this. He says, how much more? Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus, I want more of your spirit in me. That'll change some things. Just like Lazarus, do you know when, when Jesus spoke his name? called him out of the grave Jesus changed his history they had to go back and they had to run a retraction of the obituary that they had put in the paper we're just kidding Lazarus didn't die well he did it didn't. like Jesus changed his history Jesus called him out of his history into his destiny somebody needed to hear that tonight because I didn't say that this morning some of you Jesus is calling out you out of your history so you can step into your destiny just like Silas and Paul when they prayed and the Spirit of God moved and two people singing set everybody free. And then Jesus shows up and says, ask. What, if you don't know what to ask for, ask me what to ask for. He said, because my ways are higher and my plans are greater. Seek, keep, like participate in the process and not keep on knocking. Don't roll back that stone and watch the miracle miracles that I do I want him to do a great work in this church I really do but even more than that I want him to do a greater work in our lives because if he's doing a greater work in our lives the work he's doing in this church will take care of itself so Jesus right now I just want to ask you over these next few moments as we pause to, to listen, as we, as we sing, as we celebrate, Jesus, may, may you take away shame, take away doubt, take away those things that have died in us and remind us, Jesus, that you are in this place. Not only are you in this place, but you are in our lives. And your plans for us really are immeasurably more. Jesus, I just want to thank you tonight that your Holy Spirit is in this place. 
your Holy Spirit is alive inside of us. And with heads bowed and eyes closed right now, let me ask you this question. What is the step that Jesus is asking you to take? Has there ever been a time in your life that you were closer to Jesus than you are right now? Because if so, that's not a question of shame. That's a question of invitation. You can step back in to a relationship with him. You can just say, Jesus, I'm not where I used to be, but this isn't where I want to be. And I'm coming back to you. Maybe, maybe you're here tonight and you need to ask Jesus right where you stand. Jesus, what do you want me to ask you for? Maybe you just need to pray, Jesus, I want more of your spirit in me. I want you to come to life in me so much so that other people see the work that you're doing in me. And maybe you're here tonight and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come in your life. I'm going to invite you right now to pray a prayer and ask Jesus to come into your life. But we're going to do something different. We did it at 11 o'clock today. I felt incredibly prompted to do it. I feel incredibly prompted to do it tonight. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you to pray and ask Jesus into your life. If you need to ask Christ in your life, I'm going to ask you to pray out loud. But here's what I'm asking everybody else to do. I'm asking everybody else in the room to pray this prayer out loud. Even if you're already a Christian, I want you to pray it out loud for the sake of people that are praying it for the first time to give them the courage to do it. So we're going to pray in one voice. So that for all of us in this room, I want us to pray this together. And if you've never prayed to receive Christ, I want you to pray this because you've got people praying this with you. Just say right where you stand. Just say, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. And I need you as my Savior. I need you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you died on the cross. And rose from the grave. And rose from the grave. To pay for my sin. To pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus. And right now, Jesus. I receive you. I receive you. You are Lord. You are Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now, if you just prayed that prayer and you just prayed it out loud, but you prayed it for the first time and you just asked Christ to come in your life, do me a favor right now and put your hands straight up in the air because I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. I want to celebrate with you. Amen. Anybody else? Hand up, hand up, hand up. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for hands in the air. I want to thank you that you have changed lives. Jesus, not only that you changed lives, but you are changing lives. I want to thank you for the people in this room tonight that said, yes, Jesus, I want more of you working in me and through me. I want you to show me what to ask for, more of your spirit in my life. Jesus, help me to be the man or the woman that you have called me to be. Show me what to ask for because your plans are greater and your ways are higher. We love you, Jesus. And everybody that agreed with this prayer said, amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church tonight? Me too. Hey, don't miss part two of this series next week. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you next week on next Sunday.